Hello and welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. I'm a business journalist who's been covering M&A for a decade. In this week's special episode, we're finding out more about the transaction environment in China, both inbound and outbound. We'll also be discussing the uptick in divestitures and the challenges corporates and private equity investors are facing. Plus, we'll be finding out more about the impact of the Made in China 2025 policy. I'm joined by InterChina's partner in charge, Barry Chen. Hi, Barry. Thanks very much for joining me today. Yeah, nice to to talk to you, Julie. So let's start with looking at the big picture. Can you tell us about current M&A market activity in China this year compared to last year, please? Yes. So, uh, Julie, we we just came uh, came out of COVID. uh, So, you know, uh, frankly speaking, uh, a lot of companies are, are trying to fix the, you know, operational problems last year. Uh, at least from corporate side, so the attentions are not paid to to uh, to M A transactions. Uh, so the due, you know, as a result, the due activities declined twenty five percent versus last year. Uh, this is somewhat, I, I think, it is somewhat expected. Uh, but you know, uh, we're hoping so next year, uh, you know, the transaction will return to a more normal level. And can you go into a bit more detail about that and the transaction environment in China with the post-COVID environment that you mentioned with the restrictions that China faced? Are acquirers looking for more inbound opportunities rather than outbounds? Yeah, so, uh, so at the moment, Julie, uh, what happened is that with the you know, uh, removal of travel restrictions, uh, this is a huge plus. Uh, keep, keep in mind when you do a transaction, I think relevant people need to be uh, uh, physically, you know, meeting with the targets. So uh, from that point of view, I, I think both Chinese and foreign companies or key, you know, decision makers can travel uh, back and forth. Uh, having said that, you know, um, uh, at the moment, uh, I'll say um, uh, from an inbound point of view, uh, China is very uh, welcoming to foreign investments. I think the regulatory issues are uh, less, you know, problematic. Uh, basically, you know, uh, in the past, uh, China has been a top destination of uh, FDI, foreign direct investment. So uh, the government trying to design a policy to, you know, attract, encourage uh, foreign investments. So uh, from an inbound point of view, uh, it's less about uh, restrictions. Uh, is about, you know, um, the, you know, risk exposure, uh, you know, based on our survey, uh, so the top, I would say, you know, if 14,500 companies, uh, say 70, 80%, you know, have thought about, you know, doing inbound transactions to, you know, strengthen their competitive position. Um, uh, so definitely there's, uh, I, I don't, I don't think that translate into, you know, uh, completed deals, you know, right away. But, you know, there's a, you know, strong appetite to, to do that. Um, outbound is a different matter. Uh, I, I think, you know, there's a, uh, some kind of, uh, uh, perception that, uh, there's a restrictions on Chinese company investing in high tech sector. 
So this is somewhat discouraging uh, for some of the companies thinking about doing overseas acquisitions. Um, uh, it's uh, the, there is some interest, but uh, you know we, we still very very slowly, cautiously uh, moving forward. Great, thank you. And given all of that, localization is growing. Can we expect the trend to continue? And what specific sectors look like good opportunities? So uh, the localization uh, is part of the multinational strategy uh, for uh, for keep their supply chain in China uh, compete as uh, uh, Chinese type of companies uh, adapt to local practice. Uh, that has been, uh, you know, uh, there for, for a while. Now, with the current geopolitical tension, with the uh, trade uh, tension right now, so we see, you know, one, you know, one key element is that uh, some of the foreign companies trying to uh, build a manufacturing footprint, uh, adopt the in China for China strategy. So that drive uh, quite a number of deal, you know, activities in terms of uh, building a manufacturing footprint. The second is um, uh, keeping in mind, particularly on the inbound side, a lot of companies have a premium offering. Uh, so uh, it's less competitive in the current environment. Uh, so B, uh, B, str- uh, B brand, uh, that's another strategy. Uh, of course, uh, we, uh, we, we do see, uh, you know, another element of localization is, uh, uh, Chinese companies, uh, we have, we do have a local, uh, transactions, uh, in terms of, uh, Chinese company doing their own, you know, uh, building their local, uh, uh, ecosystem through, uh, through acquisitions as well. So I've heard that deal incompletion rates have been relatively high in China over the last few months. Can you tell us more about that trend and do you expect it to continue? Indeed, in the last few months, uh, we have dealt with uh, both uh, corporate as a client uh, and uh, private equity uh, as a, a you know, buyer. Uh, the, there, there are quite a number of factors impacting uh, the deal incompletion rate. Uh, one is... Uh, 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 on the sales side, the uh, performance of uh, our clients uh, they're somewhat deteriorating uh, in the last last few months uh, because of the stress duress in the general economic environment. With the deteriorating financial performance, at the same time, the valuation expectations are not really uh, uh, they're not correspondingly decreased. That costs. Uh, a valuation, you know, gap between uh, buyer and seller. Uh, the second thing uh, is that uh, private equity firms, uh, particular USD firms, uh, is a bit more uh, conservative in terms of uh, making uh, large uh, investments in China. Uh, therefore, they're, they're, they're a bit more stringent review in terms of uh, the processes, uh, etc. Uh, corporate buyers, uh, also, uh, particularly on the large investments, when you, when you deploy a large amount of capital, uh, they're thinking, uh, twice about the impact. Um, uh, financing is also an issue, right? Keep in mind with, uh, some of the corporate clients, you know, uh, somewhat, you know, leveraged with a rising interest rate. Uh, I, I think the cash flow 
issue become very much pronounced. They have to to be really careful with uh, um, with with the investments. Make sure there's uh, so so there's there's a return to safety. Uh, you know, there's an element of that. This is uh, I would say a fairly fluid situation. Uh, would that be different next year? Uh, I, I do hope so. Right. Uh, uh, the decision uh, to divest or to acquire uh, sometimes, you know, is based on the visibility for next year, right? Uh, worldwide, we, it, it's not easy, right, to see what next year will be like. Yeah, particularly when there are so many geopolitical factors at play and macroeconomic ones too. So do you have any examples of clients who are looking to sell out of China? Uh, yeah, so so we we do have uh, quite a number of uh, quite a number of you know corporate clients. Uh, they're thinking, uh, you know, uh, leaving divesting part of their business in China, where this is a purely uh, purely a strategy uh, matter. It's, it doesn't mean they're leaving China. Uh, uh, part of their business is less competitive, right? Uh, so when when you have an overcapacity very competitive environment it's very difficult to uh to you know to to make it happen uh i you know some of the deals are fairly confidential but but the open deals you can see you know you can read about it recently uh cargill sold their protein business to dcp uh rb um sold their meat johnson uh business to another chinese you know uh private equity firm based in asia uh, so you, you do have, these are the bit more larger deals. Uh, you know, recently you see Metro, uh, sold their business, you know, retail carry four. Um, this has happened, uh, in the last few years. Uh, but, but I would say there are more and more, uh, companies are thinking about, um, a, a fund structure. Number one is really lighten the load, right? Uh, so if it's a, Bad, has bad financial performance, uh, require a lot of uh, fixes. Uh, there's a tension, energy turn turnaround uh, is somewhat remote. Uh, they will decide uh, to uh, divest. Um, also, I mean, uh, uh, their company is divesting to generate some cash to invest in other businesses. Uh, yeah, cross, I would say cross sectors, you know, we have clients in in, in industrial, in consumer, in, um, in logistics, uh, uh, in, um, you know, many other, you know, sectors. Yeah. Thank you. And focusing on divestitures, what's the process that a company goes through and what challenges do they face when they're looking to make divestitures? So uh, there are two group of uh, companies. Well, for local companies, uh, typically uh, is is very uh, easy uh, succession issue cause a company to 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 sell. Uh, for a conglomerate uh, Chinese companies, uh, long core business has been that has been you know there for for years. Uh, they don't think they can compete in that segment very well. Um, for, I would say for multinationals in China, um, uh, I would say one group of them uh, has an active portfolio review. Uh, they look at uh, different businesses, different segments. Uh, they look at long-term 
uh, long term competitiveness, uh, long term uh, the market share, the uh, presence, uh, whether there's a future or not. So, so you do. Uh, I would say you know I, I cat cat category this group as a very rational, uh, very analytical, very long term oriented. Uh, they they do that. So. Uh, if it's uh, like, for instance, RB, uh, so their infant formula business, uh, because of the declining birth rate in China, which is, you know, I think, you know, a very well thought strategy. Uh, Cardinal Health, a U.S. company, so their pharma distribution business, uh, decide, despite the fact it's very sizable, um, uh, they think, you know, as a percentage of, of the global portfolio, uh, is still very small. And it faced some headwinds to uh, grow bigger, right? Now, uh, also, I'll say, you know, uh, another category, I'll say bad example uh, is that uh, uh, sometimes uh, people don't do a, you know, regular portfolio review. Uh, so the trigger point for divestment is uh, uh, so the company run into losses or else uh, suddenly uh, requires large amount of funding. So, uh, the companies have the balance about, uh, making additional investment, uh, uh, to make a return or else, you know, uh, they have to face a real issue, say, uh, how do we turn around the business if not? Yeah. So the hand is kind of forced in, in that situation. Exactly. So, so in the business is rarely a standstill, right? You, you have to keep investing or improving or else you, you, you just retreat. Yeah, these are the trigger points, I would say. Great. Thank you. And turning our attention to the Made in China policy, the initiative that aims to secure China's position as a global powerhouse in high-tech industries, that's soon coming to an end. Can you tell us what it means for dealmakers, please? So, uh, Made in China initiative uh, originally is really aimed towards um, make China competitive uh, technology-wise. Uh, China used to be a, a low-end manufacturing powerhouse uh, for for countries uh, for uh, for the world, right? So uh, that initiative is really improve uh, uh, China's competitiveness in. In terms of, uh, you know, number of segments, in terms of, uh, environmental technology, uh, in terms of innovation, in terms of, uh, Chinese brands, in terms of, uh, quality and smart manufacturing. Uh, now, uh, that initiative, uh, based on the current, current geopolitical tension, right? Particularly the, um, the ban or restrictions on technology transfer. Uh, so that had become making China self-reliant. Uh, so it is basically for the, you know, uh, I think it makes sense uh, from purely from a national interest point of view. Uh, a result of that is I do think, you know, uh, particularly private, private equity firms, uh, uh, invest in early stage technology. Uh, regardless, right? Uh, these are generate a lot of deals, particularly VC, um, uh, VC, uh, PE, uh, corporate in, in AI, in chips, in IT infrastructure, uh, etc. Um, we, we do think, you know, from a corporate, um, 
uh, from a corporate uh, Chinese corporate side, uh, of course, there's a desire always to to do you know outbound transactions. I think the large deals will uh, will be subject to regulatory review. So they're looking at smaller startup type of uh, investments. Uh, I, I do think China has an advantage advantage in commercializing technology. That's one thing China does, you know, much better. Uh, clinical trial, commercializing, uh, you know, technology, make it commercially available. Um, so, uh, so, you know, in terms of deal making, as I said, VCP investments, uh, also, you know, inside China, uh, a lot of money has put into um, chips, uh, uh, you know, other tech-related uh, sensors, smart manufacturing. So there's the active, you know, investments in that space as well, right? Um, but uh, however, I, I do think, you know, there's uh, also some sectors, there's a bubble. Um, investors has to be rational, uh, uh, recognize uh, the company itself, whether fundamentally it does have, a, a, you know, something worth to invest. Uh, not really uh, totally reliant government subsidy as uh, as a business model. And just a, a very quick follow up question on that: Will the approach of that policy, the the focus on the high tech industries and being self self reliant and the global powerhouse, is that approach still going to continue even when the policy technically ends? Uh, that policy, I, I think, uh, for sure. It will continue. Uh, I do think uh, uh, government recognize uh, the 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 waste uh, in some of these uh, government investments in in some of the you know technology undertaking. Uh, definitely, there are companies uh, not real technology and then uh, uh, collapsed. Uh, I, I do think personally, there's there's a uh, quite a bit of. Uh, in terms of efficiency in deploying capital in R and D, uh, sometimes it's not true, truly research and development. But but I, I do think uh, the the policy will be there uh, eventually. Eventually, you know, uh, for for these to uh, succeed, have a very good outcome, eventually has to you know come down to the companies uh, doing real innovation, right? So. Yes, Julie, I, I think, you know, particularly in the current political environment, this is all investing in technology is probably the, you know, um, a, a bright future, right? So that's that's many MPs, they're looking at the investing in advanced manufacturing, advanced technology, industrial. Uh, so even some of the consumer funds, for example, have switched from investing in consumer into more industrial uh advanced manufacturing type of investments. Great. And I'm afraid we're running out of time. So one final question. And if you could keep this reasonably brief, please. What what are the next challenges or opportunities that your clients should anticipate? So uh, if you, if I summarize one word, I, I think the challenges, uh, if you want words to characterize is uh, hesitancy, right? Uh, at the moment, uh, without much visibility, uh, some of our clients, or most of them, are somewhat challenged in terms of uh, in terms of uh, what to do. Um, 
again, so it, it's about make the right call uh, or difficult decision in an uncertain world. So basically, so our view is that uh, fundamentally, we're still long on China as a uh, economically, uh, yes, does have a strong foundation. Um, for those uh, for those companies who are um, well positioned, uh, there's there's still always a competitive differentiation. There's still room to grow. Uh, there's a huge consolidation opportunity. Uh, uh, of course, um, you know um, if uh, if they're running to uh, if it's long term not competitive, they probably this is the time to exit. Uh, uh, that's that's you know yeah short summary so brilliant all right good to talk to you Barry thanks very much that was InterChina's partner in charge Barry Chen thanks for listening to Dealcast presented by Merger Market and SS and C Intralinks please rate review and follow the podcast you'll find us on Apple Podcasts Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alert for more information have a look at our show notes join us again next week. 